When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to our very first episode of Courtside Fracker. My name is Mariah, also a mugger, also on the main pod from time to time. I'm going to go around and introduce all the guys here. Welcome to the team. Uh, I'll start with our newbies. Nee, how you doing? Tell us a bit about yourself, Yo. uh, how you got into basketball, who you support. Um, I got into basketball around six years ago when I started following Golden State Warriors. Um, so my friends would talk to me about basketball, um, a guy I used to work with, and he introduced me to um, Golden State and to Steph Curry, and most importantly. And um, I wasn't really feeling it too much to begin with. Then I started watching clips of him. I watched a couple of games late at night when I get back from work at uni. And um, I just started to fall in love with Curry. Um, I liked how exciting he was. I liked the whole energy around the stadium. Um, I like the way they play. It was fast. Um, it was unique to me because before I used to look at basketball, it looked a bit slow, a bit sluggish. But um, I like the way they play. And um, yeah, um, I mean, it's disputed over whether I've been um, supporting Golden State the whole time. But for me, I've only ever supported one team. And that's the Warriors. And that's Golden State. That's Stephen Curry. Best shooter ever. Um, yeah, man. And that's me. So I've been watching the game for about six years. And I'm still growing into the game and getting to learn new stuff every day. Lovely, lovely. Uh, Obi, how you doing? Tell us also a bit about yourself, good, sir. Uh, I support the New York Knicks, unfortunately. Um, I probably got into basketball probably must be four years ago, I guess, uh, after the 2016 finals when LeBron came from, oh, sorry, the Cavs came from 3-1 down to beat Golden State. Um, the, reason being, <laughs> the reason being that um, obviously everyone was, people were bantering me, mainly, um, about that, about that loss, and obviously I wanted to be involved in the bands in it, so I thought, let me get to basketball so I can share in, you know, with the with the, with the talking stuff. Um, I support the Knicks because I went to New York in 2016. I saw a friendly game there. Went to Madison Square Garden. Uh, it was pretty cool. So I thought, yeah, this is a good team. Obviously, I didn't know what they were like <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and um, I support Arsenal as well. So there was a YouTube video of. Um, the Knicks visit in London and Carmelo Anthony said that he supported Arsenal. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll just support the Knicks then. Uh, turns out that was a horrible decision. So here we are. Compounded yeah. by two teams who were quite stressful as well. There, <laughs> Yeah, man. Hey, my well, life's not easy. My life's not yeah. easy. <laughs> certain man lifting the cup. We won't talk about that too much. Yes. True, though, true. So, you know. They're lifting <laughs> cups and they could, you know what, enjoy Thursdays. We digress. Uh, to introduce you to two of our vets uh, today, um, Harold, how are you doing? Tell us a bit about your basketball story, sir. Yes, yes. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, like, like you, Mariah, I'm on, fortunately, frequently with Touchline Fracker, uh, part of the Coppen lot, Liverpool fan. Uh, basketball-wise, I got into basketball, not, a t- not too dissimilar to Nii's story. Uh, I started seeing a guy called LeBron James, the man behind me. Um, he was doing great things. I think it's... What really attracted me to LeBron, I sound like he's my wife or something, what attracted me to, <laughs> to LeBron and, and just him as a player was 
it was how it was his how good he was first and foremost and how he was off the court He's, he was very exuberant showed a lot of personality it's very different to what I'd grown up seeing my football players are very subdued very I mean there's underlying issues as to why that is but it was just nice to see a man who I I can look up to and be like hey this guy's sick I'm off the court as well I appreciate him but anyway, on the court itself, he hasn't been the best. He hasn't been around the best talent. I'm going to stick with that. Yes, shameless. Um, in the finals, unfortunately, hence his record. Um, but no, he's, that's, that's pretty much my story. Uh, it was about four years ago I got into it. And I haven't looked back since. been learning more and more every day. Knee keeps me on my toes. So does Ovi um, in, our, in our group chat that we had from years ago. So yeah, just learning like everyone else. And yeah, excited to bring on that trip this year. Ooh, uh, yes. Yeah, what's going on, man? Um, yeah, similar to Harold, been part of the Touchline Media Group for a little while now. Love loving putting together these pods for people to just learn, enjoy, um, and get in, and get into football. Want to do the same now for basketball. Um, offer my passion for it. So, used to hosting the the Chelsea Hour pod, the Chelsea one. Um, happy that you're now looking like you're hosting this one, Maria, because it's a tough job. So, uh, cheers, mate. We'll be sharing um, the duties, don't you worry. Right, all right, then, all right, then. <laughs> bit, of, bit of two-man game, bit of pick and roll, okay. Um, yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Boston Celtics fan. Um, as you can see by the one, two, three, it's about 17 banners behind me on uh, on the Zoom call there. Uh, most successful That's franchise tough. in NBA history. Mainly in the 60s. But yeah, oh, yeah. Well, you know, like... <laughs> A bit rich coming from a Liverpool fan talking about historical success, but uh, <laughs> but that's all right. Anyway, um, yeah, no, um, it's a it's it's a fantastic franchise. I, I, as I said to you lot, players move even in American sports franchises move, but I'm I'm gonna stay Irish, so a uh, bit bit of an easy one to to just latch on to there. Um, first, sort of got into basketball initially, really. Just I saw a few players similar to a lot of people. Uh, Really, really enjoyed clips of uh, Rajon Rondo towards his later time of, of the Celtics just after the, the, the first championship win. Um, took a little backseat, came back. It was a new guy who was about one foot shorter and Isaiah Thomas playing for this team that I like. But again, loved him, loved the energy of that team around them um, in terms of it being a really hardworking team with some magic sprinkled into it. Um, I had a few mates who tried to get me into basketball for years and years and years, and I wasn't wasn't taking as much as they'd like me to. But it's been a bit of a boom for the last four years, where I'm I've just become a bit of an obsessive, um, and it's, it's, if I'm honest, it's taken over football in my in my daily watching. To be honest, um, but yeah, just um, just really really looking forward to to this, um, and and yeah, man, just bringing the game, which I think is when you get into it, something you can really, really love to, to a new audience of all the Touchline listeners. Lovely. And I guess I'll go. Um, I don't support anybody. Uh, that may be funny to some of you, but um, I just enjoy the sport so much. My earliest memory to probably go back to the mid-late 90s, so you're talking about the last few years of the Bulls, uh, a wash Scotty Pippin, uh, on the Portland Trailblazers and Dennis Rodman doing his thing um, for the Los Angeles Lakers. And my interest has just kind of stayed since then, really. And obviously, with, with the internet, it made the world a lot um, smaller. So I remember back when Bleacher Report was just uh, a bunch of PowerPoint presentations listing the top 10 point guards of all time. I'd be there typing away about why Kobe Bryant's a better player than Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Um, 
I've come some way uh, since then. Not sure if I still agree with that shout. We'll probably get into that over time. Um, I tend to just enjoy the sport for the players. There's some players that I root for a lot. I'm a big Chris Paul fan. Obviously, LeBron James I'm a fan of, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Yeah, there's a lot of players in this league um, who make it a pleasure to watch. The skill development. Um, and I guess what has always kind of shown to me about basketball is the commentary. And it's probably part of the reason why we started Touchline in the first place was seeing people like yourself giving that more nuanced um, analysis of the game, people who played it, but they didn't play it and it wasn't dated. They played it and they related to the players and they were able to give better insight into the sport. And it wasn't crude, it was exciting. I, I watched shows, I remember watching shows with Gary Payton, Chris Webber and Ahmad Rashad. And I'll probably post them on our Twitter account, which is at Courtside Fracker. So for those of you who are listening for the first time, give us a follow, interact. Um, we'll all be on there talking basketball. And obviously, for those of you who are part of the Discord channel, also join the uh, NBA space, which is already popping, to be honest, and it's only going to continue to pop now that the NBA is back. Um, this first episode is just serving us our chance to introduce ourselves and just to quickly go through the 22 teams that are in the bubble and just give some of our thoughts. So, um, Yas and Harold, do you have us on a strict timer uh, of a minute, which I suggested, but, you know, listen, ideas are, ideas are there for the taking, aren't they? So we're going to try and get through these 22 teams as quickly as possible, given our thoughts. 22 minutes to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> given, well. our thoughts, given our thoughts in between. Um, I'll kick off proceedings because I got um, the short straw, I guess, or the long straw, should I say, uh, with the league-leading Milwaukee Bucks. They're 52-12 and 12 this season. No, sorry, that's 53-12, and 12, yes, courtesy of your Boston Celtics. That was a these these 100- bubble games are, are a bit of a warm-up, but yeah. Kind of. <laughs> sure. Uh, it's a 119 to 112 win a couple of nights ago. They have got the stingiest defense in the league, pretty clear over the number two team, and their offense is number four in the league. So statistically, they're having a historic season, which really only compares to about four or five other teams who all went on to win the title. There's a lot of pressure. Um, the man with all the pressure, who thinks he has the crown now, is a certain Giannis Antetokounmpo. The reigning MVP, and if you ask around, most people's pick for the MVP this season as well. He's averaging around 30 minutes a game, but he's managing to put in numbers about 30 points, 14 rebounds and six assists. assists. And I say about because I've just rounded up just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, So he's coming in as uh, the best player in the league currently for me. And last year, they came off a heartbreaking loss to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Kawhi Leonard's Toronto Raptors that is and I guess the question for them is they need to take the next step they need um, they need Eric Bledsoe to actually play like a player who's earning the big bucks and defend that perimeter but also make some shots when you get played the open freeze they've got Chris Middleton a two-time All-Star who's coming very close to the 50-40-90 club Uh, the 50-40-90 club some of you won't know what that means but uh We'll, we'll put together a pod just explaining some of the basketball terms that we're using. Uh, they've also got Brooke Lopez holding down the post with stellar defence. And they've got bench players such as Dante DiVincenzo, veteran Wesley Matthews and George Hill. Um, the Bucks for me, are probably not the favourites. But regardless, they're going to be a tough out and I expect them to get to the finals this season. 
Cool. So I'm, I'm going to start with LA Clippers, who I tipped to win the championship um, at the start of this year. And that was following their blockbuster trade for Paul George and reigning finals MVP Kawhi Leonard. They currently sit second in the West, just in front of the Denver Nuggets and Utah Jazz. Um, I think it'd be fair to say the Clippers haven't really, really lived up to expectations this year. Um, and they're second in the West, but they're quite a few games back from the Lakers and they haven't really blown teams away like we expected them to following the trade in the summer. Um, there's a few reasons for that. Um, Paul George has had an injury this year that's really bothered him in his shooting form. Um, Kawhi sits out when he wants to, it seems. that I'm not really too sure what the problem is there. Um, and for these reasons, it's left doubts in the mind of a few people and pundits who now tip the Lakers and the Bucks to win the championship this year. Um, but an interesting fact that um, I think when they've had a fit roster this year, maybe 11 times this year they've had a fit roster, they've gone 10 and 1 this season. So it's a good indicator to show that they've definitely got the potential to blow teams away when fully fit. Um, quite a crazy stat, really. Um, they've named 30 different starting fives this year, which is ridiculous, considering we've only played like 65 games this year. Um, this has led to issues with chemistry between the teammates, um, which I think is their greatest weakness at the moment. Um, but a testament to their depth, their top five in offense and defensive ratings this year, um, which is quite remarkable considering um, the injuries and the different starting fives they've had this year. Um, but for me, Kawhi is their standout player. And they've got a number two in Paul George, who seems to be finding form just at the right time. And they've got probably best, the best supporting cast in the league by far, in Lou Williams and Montrezl, amongst others. Um, but for me, it's difficult to win the championship when your roster isn't fully fit or they're not in sync properly. Um, and I think they're going to have to work on their chemistry and players are going to have to know their roles. Um, so I think the Clippers, they've got a bit of work to do. But for me, I find it really difficult to see anyone beating them in a seven-game series. Cool. So staying in Los Angeles, let's, let's, let's get out of the basement a little bit. Let's, let's go into the rafters where the, where the LA Lakers are. Okay, cool. So they gambled last summer to trade their, their young core for a prime Anthony Davis. It's currently proven to be a good one. And as Mariah said, only the Milwaukee Bucks have a better record so far in the NBA. The Lakers are the bookies' favourite to win the entire championship. But with Avery Bradley withdrawing for personal reasons and Rajon Rondo, Yes, Rajon Rondo, out with a hand injury for what is around two to four weeks at least. Perhaps it won't be as plain sailing as Vegas suggests. Now, playing in his 17th season and averaging 26, 8, 11 in points, rebounds and assists, I'm talking about the one and only LeBron James, he will enter his 13th postseason looking to better his 3-6 to six finals record. He's also fresh off an excellent clutch game where he took over, um, as you saw his Lakers defeat their City Rifles, as Nia just said, um, and tied a regular season... Uh, games as two all. My own thoughts on the Lakers' chances is that of Vegas. Contrary to me, they are my favourites to win. Pivoting uh, now from the from the west to the east, uh, we'll, we'll sort of stay on that classic rivalry in the NBA and go to my Boston Celtics. Um, yeah, like I mean, we are chasing our 18th banner um, this year, and and there's there's some degree of of contention, um, but. But we're 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 still finding our feet a little bit after a bit of a headache last year, where we had all this talent but no chemistry to go with it, and it was just a, a pretty poor year, all things considered. Um, this year we got maybe the, the starting six with the best all-round quality in the league. I, I think we got a lot of eight out of ten guys uh, in Tatum, Hayward, Hayward Brown, Smart, uh, Kemba, even Daniel Tyson had a really good year. 
but we we lack that star power. I think that um, that the Clippers have, that the Lakers have, that the Bucks have of, of someone who can really take over a game. Um, where we we're looking for that is Jason Tatum, who who really struggled in his first game in the bubble, like really struggled, um, and uh, Kemba Walker, who's who's not really playoff proven yet at all, having only only joined from Charlotte uh, this this off season. So yeah, there are key issues really um, in that whether Kemba and Tatum can step up and and our bench, we haven't got the depth of a Clippers or or even a Bucks really to come on and and get some boards and get some points. Um, we are sixth in offensive rating and fourth in defensive rating with a net overall rating over the season in the NBA as fifth. So we are we are a strong strong team, but maybe maybe a bit greater than the sum of its parts at the moment. And and it'll be interesting to see how we deal with all the one v ones in in the playoffs. Okay, next we've got the OKC, who are currently fifth in the West with a 41-24 record. Um, I would say that they're probably one of the surprise teams this season uh, due to the fact that they trade away their star, Russell Westbrook, for Chris Paul and a load of draft picks. Um, I say in terms of position, it hasn't really moved the needle for them that much, which is good because obviously they haven't changed positions, but now they've also got a load of draft picks to look forward to in future seasons. Um, They're currently being led by Chris Paul, who's having an all-star season. He averaged 17 points, four rebounds and six assists. And they've had a breakout year from Shai Gilgis-Alexander, who's averaging 19 points, six rebounds and three assists. And they've got a strong supporting cast. They've got Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder, Danilo Gallinari, Andre Robeson. Um, so it's a really compact squad. Uh, in terms of the scrimmage, they were 3-0. and I think one of the only teams to go 3-0 and in the scrimmages. And they won their last game in the, or the first game in the NBA bubble over the Jazz, 110-94. to so they're in strong form going into the going into the season. Um, if I had to guess in terms of prediction-wise, I think they'll probably stay around the fifth seed, sixth seed, maybe make it past the first round and then probably get knocked out in the second round. But I think that's not really too bad for this team because obviously, like I said earlier, they've got their draft picks. You know, Hopefully they can draft someone good. They've got Chris Paul, a veteran, leading them, um, which a lot of people probably might not expect them to do because obviously he's been hampered by injuries the last few years. Um, people talk a lot about him not getting a ring, which I suppose he probably won't get in OKC. But maybe this will help to uh, increase his legacy somewhat. Cool. Um, that's great, Obi, because I told you to mention Chris Paul <laughs> some more. And, I tried, and I tried, I tried. You, you did your thing, man. I think, just to piggyback on that point, um, yeah, I think he has a certain reputation as a, a bad teammate. And I think... What he's done at OKC is probably helping to change the narrative somewhat. But I think now people are potentially going a bit overboard with it. So it's almost like because they were so he had a, such a bad reputation early in his career, and people are so surprised that he'd been able to like band this team of outcasts together to be a good team. People are oh, Chris Paul, Chris Paul. And um, I think the only issue for Chris Paul is probably that he wanted to, he's always wanted to win too much, and he's wanted to win so much that he's been willing to cross whatever line is necessary to get the win and was tried some Suarez. nasty yeah some nasty <laughs> antics over the years so he's probably one of my favorite players and it really pains me that he never managed to not even win a ring he just hasn't even played the nba finals mm. and probably his his best chance was is it 2017 or 2018 when i think a 17 was that when the yeah the 27 missed threes in game seven for the Houston Rockets. I mean, if Chris Paul, if you slot Chris Paul into, and they lost by 10 points, I think, nine, 10 points. You slot Chris Paul into that um, team. He was having, he had a fantastic year that year. They're, they're beating, I think they had um, Golden State's number that year. I think 
they they would have made the finals. But you know, all players have ifs and buts. So yeah, man, it is what it is. Just a quick one to all of you. I think the one thing I want to speak about firstly is just the level of randomness and the variance that seems to be here in this bubble and and might be here. Like for those who are listening who maybe haven't been keeping up with the NBA and this and the other and why this particular postseason or leading to it is so different is as with every sport, the NBA has had to reckon with with COVID-19 and and with the issues of lockdown, etc. And for those who are really new to the NBA, this is going to sound ridiculous, but they basically have uprooted every player, every coach, most big journalists, and sent them all to Disney World. It sounds like I'm making it up now when I say it out loud. Sent them all to Disney World in Florida in a bubble with fishing rivers and uh, makeshift courts and hotels and, and places and everything like that. They were, built, um, they were building a barbershop. Like, there's fully a, a little city insane, inside Disneyland. Like, I mean, we can't spend all the time that we need to on, on the bubble, but anyone listening, just go and type NBA bubble details into Google. It's insane what they've done, and it's a credit that they've even got this season back on, on the road, to be fair. But I God think bless it's... America, boy. I won't go that far. You'll, you'll catch me kneeling any time, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, I I just find it a bit odd. Like things like playoffs and things like refereeing without the fans. Um, things like comebacks, even like New Orleans Pelicans were got were what thirty down in the first half. Oh man! Um, against the Clippers last night, and you just knew without a home crowd or anything like that, it seemed very much a mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool. So it's, it's an interesting one. Do you think? Do you guys think with this bubble um, environment and all the randomness that might come from that, and potential injuries and illness and and everything, do you think we could get a real dark horse as a champion, as a final appearance, or, or do you just think quality will even out? I, I, I actually think we might get. Uh, a, I think the quality will show, no doubt. I think we, we saw that in, same thing in football, isn't it? With no fans. All those people that are on are on the passion and the art, yeah, you can't really you can't really rely on that. Same same logic applies in basketball, but I think as, as far as an outsider goes, I really like the look of the Raptors. <clears throat> They're a very well-rounded team. Um, team yeah. I think I think if there's any team to cause an upset, I reckon I reckon I put my I put my money on the Raptors. If if there's any team to be an underdog, a, a dark horse to come through the East. Can't, I just can't see anything other than uh, the, the LA teams in the West. But in the East, I think there's more. There's definitely more up for the taking there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They know how to play. How, winning, how have you found the experience of the games as well? Like just in terms of watching them. Oh, okay. The main thing is the squeaky trainers, man. Oh, <laughs> God, that squeak. But otherwise, it's kind of like with football, we've just adjusted. We've yeah. just adjusted yeah, to it's it. Not too bad, you to be honest. Yeah, yeah. you normalise once nice they put for, in the crowd sounds. Yeah, it would be <laughs> nice. I'm about to say, it would be nice for some for some crowd noise. I swear they have put some in. No? They have. Bucks have they? Did? They, Bucks they got did, their yeah. 2K noise, but it's, it's, it's not. It's not. Yeah. It's, just, it's, yeah, just, it's just, just about does the job. Yeah. But I think the NBA has done a good job of it. But yeah, I think they've done a great job, man. You've got to commend them. And I think that, yeah, that's definitely credit to Adam Silver. He's a fantastic commissioner. Yeah, he actually is. I like him. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it had to happen. There's too much, too much money at stake. Too much money at stake. Mm. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But I'm, I'm, I'm here for it, and it's kind of happened at the perfect time. Football's finished now, so yeah. we've kind of dealt with that, and it's now we've got NBA to take over. So it's just like constant entertainment, man. I feel like I've been watching a, a sport I enjoy every day 
for the last uh, month and a bit, to be honest Pretty with you. Much, yeah. yeah, cool. So with that, let's go on to uh, our second batch of teams. So uh, kick us off, Wizards. Yeah, so I have the pleasure to give you guys some fantastic news on the Washington Wizards. Yes, the John John Wallace John, Washington Wizards. Okay, and the Bradley Beal's, no? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to my surprise, yes, the, the Bradley Beal. <laughs> <laughs> you can see how much, uh, how much effort Harold's put into oh, the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like, you know what? Before, before you start, before you start, Harold, again, like for those not listening. We're, we're getting into like we're getting these teams out of the way. Just a quick one. The next little round, we're getting some of these out of the way. And the NBA only invited twenty-two out of the thirty because should only invite Kobe's 10, Knicks man. and seven others. Stretch. I know it's been a stretch. Weren't even worth bringing in. But there are still teams in this bubble, one or two, who you think did they really need to come? And the Wizards are one of these two or three teams. My goodness. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let we'll me talk about all the others as well. Yeah. <sighs> it's funny. You said about um about Bradley Bill. I'm still going to include him in my segment on the Wizards because I find no one else worth mentioning. Okay, okay cool. So, Bertans Wizards... isn't around. That is Bertans, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bertans. <laughs> my goodness, no way. No way, okay. That's what he means a shoe Okay, let me speak. Let me speak. <laughs> the Wizards, as Yaz was saying, are the last of the teams in the East to be invited to the bubble. But the reason why, honestly, I couldn't tell you. Um, they have a 24 and 40 record. Back. It's, it's 24 and 41. I think they lost again to, to the other day. Yeah, yeah, 24 and 41 um, <laughs> record this season. But despite that, they have a lot owed to their star guard, Bradley Bill, who's actually not here, funny enough. Um, he has stepped up in the absence of co star John Wall, who's been out injured for the season. As per the athletic, John Wall will actually be, remain out and we won't join out. Um, with the Wizards, as you probably already know by now, as he preps his return for the 2021 season. So, Bill, who is only second only to James Harden, is a massive blow not to be there um, in points average this uh, this season. He's had a phenomenal year where he's put up a career uh, career high of 55 points and an unfortunate loss to the Bucks in overtime. Bill shines and the Wizards fall short, somewhat indicative on their year so far. After falling short against the lowest seed in the bubble with the, without their star man Bradley Bill. Oh my goodness! The, the Wizards are six games behind the Nets in the in the East, and with Harold, only... I'm surprised you're nearly finishing your sixty seconds with these yeah, men. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, it's, 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 this is my last sentence. <laughs> they are so they got six six. They're six games behind. There's seven games left. <laughs> They'd have to win every game and the Nets would have to drop every single game. I can't honestly, believe this. It's absolutely madness. And then I, I even went on to say, I think the, the gap would be too large to overcome. Yeah, I think it might. Just about, just about, mate. There's a hot take there, Harold. Hot take. Yeah. Hot, take. hot take, Harold. Hot take, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, yeah, next we got the Orlando Magic, who Oof. I won't spend too much time on. Um, they're seventh in the East at the minute with a 31-35 record. Uh, they're an average team. Um, they've been led by Evan Fournier, who's averaging 18-2-3, and Nikola Vucevic, who's averaging 19-11-3. and Wait, um, hold on. <laughs> nah, keep going. Go on, don't, never mind. Just, just get through it. Just get through it. I'm going to ask you a question about the Wizards, but just, uh, um, about the Magic, but just get through it. Just get through it. Sorry. Um so their last game, they won 128 to 118 over the Nets, but I wouldn't put any stock in it because the Nets, the Nets team is like non-existent. It's a B team. Um, my prediction: they'll probably make the playoffs, I guess, 
but they're set to come up against the Raptors as it stands. So that's an easy first round exit for them. So that's all I've got, really. All right, so next we're going to go to the Phoenix Suns. Another exciting team to go through. <laughs> um, they're led by all-star Devin Booker. Um, he's probably one of the best scorers in the league. Yeah. The expectations were set low before the season for obvious reasons. Um, but they actually made a pretty decent start this year. They're sitting comfortably above the 500 mark um, until they got until their starting centre on DeAndre Ayton got suspended for 25 games. And then from there, they just started to plateau and they started to like, slowly lose momentum. And now, and now they find themselves 13th in the West with literally no chance of making the playoffs. Um, there's not a great deal to add to them, to be honest. Um, I feel they're just here to make up the numbers so that it's balanced. Um, but and to be fair, I, I've enjoyed watching the games this season. He hasn't been too bad. Um, I, I feel it might be a different conversation had Aiton not been suspended. But he was, so um, here we are. Um, the addition of Kelly Oubre this year in the summer was a pretty decent addition. Um, he plays both ends of the floor pretty well and he's improved um, offensively a lot and become a much more consistent scorer now. But um, when you factor in the re-emergence of Golden State next year, who are going to come back with a vengeance. Um, and then you've got the Pelicans, who are probably going to be healthy, hopefully. I don't really see how they're going to make the playoffs next year and they're stacked to West. So I'm not really too sure what the Suns' aim here is. Um, they're a bit in limbo. So I think they even need to get some players to support Booker, or they need to look at trading him away and starting again. But yeah, there's not much to add to this team. Fair enough. So from one fantastic team to another, I give you, it brings me great pleasure to give you the guys who are 22nd and 23rd respectively in assists per games and points per games. The fantastic, and conceding the NBA average of 111 points per game. <laughs> the wonderful, dubbed by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Sacramento Kings, uh, okay, cool. It's clear to see that their problems are on the offensive end. They fell short to the, to the Spurs on, the, on on Friday night in a game that we all watched. All, all watched. Yes, yes. Um, as 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 Mariah falls asleep, as I'm as I as I continue to wax lyrical about <laughs> about the wonderful Sacramento Kings, the fifth pick in the 2017 NBA draft, Darren Fox is the only is the only player in the team to score more than 20 points per game, with Buddy Hield falling just short under 20. The former shot very well from the field against Spurs, managed to, po to post up 39 points. The latter, however, Buddy Hood had a contrasting game, only shooting six points in 20 minutes and shooting a woeful 15% from the field. Despite Fox's best efforts, the Kings' lack of a high-scoring star player puts a serious doubt to their playoff hopes. And with Portland and Memphis, a better and more established team this season, I can see, I can see the, I can't see the Kings overcoming, I can't, sorry. I can't see the Kings overcoming one of them, let alone both. Thank you, Hot Take Harold. I'll take over from there. Um, I don't like these nicknames. <laughs> it's, stuck now. it's been said three times, so it's yeah, stuck. That's it. it's the, 30 and 30, the 30 and 35 Brooklyn Nets, um, they've got the 24th ranked defence in the league. Uh, on the bright side, they've got the 9th ranked offence, so that they can score. But unfortunately, their scorers aren't here. No KD, no Kyrie, and no Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, they decided to come back to the bubble and uh, proceed to lose. Um, luckily for them, as has already been mentioned, the Wizards are so far behind them that they're going to make the playoffs just by de facto. Uh, they'll have the box waiting for them. Um, yeah, basically at this point, I just want to see Jamal Crawford get some minutes. He didn't get any the other night. just want to see Jamal Crawford get some minutes, put up some buckets, can see it even more going the other way. 
but yeah, I'm just here for a good time. And yeah, I didn't even use my 60 seconds because it's the next man. Right. Now, do you know what? I have good news for any listeners who are still awake with us. We've just gone through the five teams who, from my very professional opinion, you don't really have to worry about. Um, but from now, we're starting. Every team we mention from now is at the very least interesting, at the very least. Um, so the scrubs are out. Brilliant. San Antonio Spurs. Okay. Now, this is a bit of an interesting one in that they won their first NBA title back in 99 after a lockout season, which was to do with pay and striking and owners v players and all sorts. And they're looking at, since then, the first time in 21 years missing the playoffs in the lockdown season. So it's a full circle for the San Antonio Spurs. This is Greg Popovich's dynasty. Um, they've, they've epitomized alternative thinking. Tim Duncan. <coughs> uh, what's that? Tim Duncan. <laughs> and Tim Duncan. Yeah, Tim Duncan played a part. Uh, I don't think Tim Duncan's actually on the bench in this bubble, unfortunately. But yeah, um, the Spurs, listen, they, 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 don't have a hu- they didn't have a huge amount to play for coming in. But when you actually look at the standings, they could yet sneak into these playoffs in this play-in tournament, which we'll touch on later on. Um, they, they got a win against the Kings in this bubble. And it's, it's an awkward thing for them where they might have to start rebuilding again. LaMarcus Aldridge is out, not here. They're, they're real go-to big man um, with a shoulder injury. DeMar DeRozan, who's, who's never been the perfect fit there, um, he can opt out this summer. And seeing as he took a bit of a back seat in the game from what I watched um, against the Kings, it seems like they are maybe focusing on some good young players like DeJounte Murray, Derek White. Uh, and Jacob Polto to sort of take over a little bit. And they've, they've got some interesting players, so they're definitely worth a watch. Uh, I will give them that. And and you never know, they have the Grizzlies next. And if they get a result there, um, them, Portland, and the Grizzlies could could prove a, a really interesting little side plot of who gets that eighth seed in the West. So um, worth watching. Their defensive rating is 24th in the league. Um, so they're really going to need to tighten that up or, or go mad on the offense. Um, so, yeah. Oh, it's me again. (laughs) Pivoting (laughs) over to uh, a surprise package um, in how confusing they have been this year is is the Philadelphia 76ers over in the East. Um, These were my tip to get out of the East before the season. I expected them to reach the finals because their trade for, sorry, their signing of Horford uh, in free agency just gave them a monster defense. Horford, Embiid, Simmons is just the sort of stuff you see and wonder how you can you can score against them. A minimum of two Giannis stoppers. Um, fresh off a, a heartbreak in the playoffs last year where they only bounce, bounce, bounced away from a Kawhi Leonard shot. And they run that Toronto Championship team really, really close. But this season's just been a mess. Um, they have looked so off it at times. They are 18th in offensive rating for the season. Um, owing to just their big lumbering size and not really being able to create any space. A lot of players who want to do the same thing. They might have mitigated that, I thought, by putting Ben Simmons, the the unshootable Ben Simmons, um, to power forward, playing as a bit of a creator up there. But then somehow let TJ Warren smash them for 53 points last night of the Indiana Pacers. So the mess and the confusion continues for the Sixers. The key issue is just across the floor if they can find something that works they're going to be an absolute monster to play but they're running out of time to find something that's really really slick 
but I will say defensive rating of sixth in the league, and I think in a playoff matchup where you have all this time over seven games, I think they're going to be really, really hard to score on. Cool. Um, next up is the defending champions, the Toronto Raptors. They've got a 47 and 18 record this season. Uh, they've just come off a 107-192 win against uh, Harold's Los Angeles Lakers. I guess going in, the question for the Raptors was how were they going to do without Kawhi Leonard, their finals MVP, who jetted over to the Clippers? And I think the question is that, well, the question was that, but the answer is that they've passed the test with flying colours. They just know how to play winning basketball. Uh, they're led by their coach, who won the title in his first season as the head coach, Nick Nurse, who comes to us courtesy of the British Basketball League, mm-hmm. believe it or not. So he he earned his stripes playing the long game. Um, fantastic X and O's guy. Very steady, steady hand steering the ship. Um, they've got the second best defence in the league behind the box, and they've got a middling offence. And I think it's on that end of the floor where they'll need to figure out how they're going to score in a seven-game slower series in the playoffs. But listen, they've got Pascal Siakam, whose improvement is unlike any other player I can really compare to. I think he started playing basketball in his mid-teens. He wanted to be a priest, I believe. Um, But he started playing basketball in his mid-teens, made his first all-star team this year. And he's the current most improved player and is probably one of the front runners to win it again. He's backed up by Fred Van Vliet, who just gets buckets, man. Gets buckets, plays hard defence, and is basically going to get paid this summer. Love a bit of Fred Van Vliet. Um, in between arguing about scarves, you've got Serge Ibaka and OG Ananobi, who was, what, 89% from the field last night against the Los Angeles Lakers. And then um, leading the ship, Raptors legend, always happy to take a charge, uh, Kyle Lowry. So, yeah, listen, the Raptors know how to play. They've even got Mark Gasol in the cut. They've got good, wiry defenders who can guard people like your Giannis Antetokounmpo's, your Tatum's, your Ben Simmons's. They've also got strong presence in the paint with Ibaka and Gasol. They're going to be a tough, tough out. Uh, like Harold mentioned earlier, if there's any team to sneak in and probably make the finals, we wouldn't suspect it would be the Raptors. I'm just enjoying watching the show, to be honest. Yeah, likewise. So, from one <clears throat> surprising package to another, that is the, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the robust and to some, the surprising package of Denver are sitting comfortably in third in the West and are making a push to second with a lot owed to their superb, superb home record. So, star player Nikola Jokic seems to conquer each trial put before him, averaging 20 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists a game, where in a recent scrimmage game, he was seen playing point guard and throwing dimes up to the 7'2 Bobo, showing us once again he's far from the standard big man. Despite their brilliant home form and the effective basketball they've played this season, the most likely opponents in the semifinals will be the Clippers, who, in my opinion, would simply hold too much quality and playoff experience to allow the Nuggets to go any further. All right, so I'm next of the Houston Rockets, who I'm not really surprised, to be honest. They've been quite a consistent playoff team for the last five, six years. They're led by superstar James Harden, who is probably the most polarising player in the league, period. Um, a lot of people call his stretching of the rules um, and manipulation. Um, some call it clever. I, I definitely fall into the latter. I think it's clever. I think he's definitely the most, he's definitely the best scorer in the league now. And I think it's arguable if he's the best scorer in the NBA, period. 
Um, so um, the Rockets currently sit sixth in the Western Conference. Um, they've already secured their playoff status already. Um, before the season, I didn't really rate them as contenders, but that's mainly due to the um, two LA teams being so strong. I'm having LeBron and AD and Kawhi and PG. Um, I didn't think the trade they made for Westbrook in the summer really fit their system. Um, so, to, so to talk about their system a little bit, Coach D'Antoni, um, his system is very much live by the three and die by the three. <laughs> they don't make the threes, they're probably not going to win the game, as you saw against the Golden State some years back when they shot 27 threes and they missed 27 consecutively. It took them out of the game. Um, so just to talk in that trade between CP3 and Westbrook, it wasn't really working at the beginning of the season. Um, the, the chemistry wasn't really there, and Westbrook was just jacking up threes. He was struggling to get to the paint because it was crowded because of Capella. But now that he's been traded, I think Westbrook has probably been the Rockets' best player this year, or since the trade anyway. Um, there's a crazy stat here from ESPN. He averages 20.1 points in the paint, converting at 63%, which is insane for a guard. Exactly. Um, a six-foot-free guard. Exactly, a six-foot-free <laughs> guard. He's a freak. He's an absolute menace athletically. Um, so, yeah, so are my chances, well, I think the Rockets' chances, it's a bit of a weird one. I'm not really too sure which way it's going to go. Um, I think they've adapted the most extreme form of small ball ever in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I can get into that later, what that means. Um, I mean, their starting centre now is six-foot-five guard P.J. Tucker which is just, it's never been seen before. <laughs> Their chances of winning the chip, it's just, it's just awkward. I mean, like, for the Lakers, I think they'd be in a really awkward matchup. Like, I'm after shown in recent games. Um, so, but to be honest, I think it kind of hinges on whether CP, CP3, whether um, Westbrook and Harden can show up in the postseason and just deliver for once properly. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, next, we've got the Dallas Mavericks who are currently 7th in the West with a 40-28 and 28 record. They're led by Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, Doncic, is in his second year in the NBA, is averaging 28-9-8, and eight, which is ridiculous. Um, he's probably one of the best players in the league right now and probably one of the future faces of the NBA. Then you've got Kristaps Porzingis, the unicorn, who they traded from New York for Dennis Smith Jr. and a bit of change. Um, he's just... Ah, that's um, got to hurt. That's got to <laughs> hurt. Honestly, honestly, I'm still I'm fuming. I'm still fuming. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me get it out before I, I cry. <laughs> um, he's currently averaging 19 points and nine rebounds. Um, they've got a, an okay supporting cast. They've got Tim Hardaway Jr. and Seth Curry and a few others. Uh, their last game, they, were, they lost 149 to 153 to the Houston Rockets in overtime. Um, I think with Porzingis and Doncic, like they're two of the brightest duos in the league. I think with them, literally anything can happen. Um, I've got to stay here. Apparently they are first in offensive rating in the NBA, but then they're 17th in defense. Um, so, <laughs> so that, that's the thing. Like, I think they're a t- that's, that leads to like their, their semi-decent record, obviously in the, in the West, just give, given the seventh seed. Um, I think in the playoffs, they probably will finish around the seventh spot. I think that would have them placing the Clippers, who I think, as Nee said earlier, I can't see anyone beating the Clippers four times. So I think it'll be a first-round exit for them. But the future's bright, so watch this space for that team. Absolutely. Yeah. And and before before I get on to uh, the Miami Heat, I just realised that Harold 
supposed friend of Obi is the one who allocated the Knicks fan. Right. The team that his oh. former unicorn star talisman has now been traded to. This, that's a bad, okay. bad mind what, move. Bad mind. No, what? Those are your bad vibes. Hot take, bad, bad vibes, Harold, <laughs> and hot take, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the worst thing. I, I was originally allocating the teams, and I was going to do it quite randomly. And hot take, Harold said, "No, nah, I got this." <laughs> I know the yeah. I know the boys. I know them well. I got this. Given Ob the Mavs is a hot take, man. For real. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, sorry, Ob. Uh, moving swiftly on to the Miami. I mean, we've used the word surprise package. Uh, Miami Heat. We've used the word surprise package a couple times. Uh, if there was a most improved team award, I'd almost be tempted to give it to these guys. I think um, they've had a, they had a couple down years, a couple dead years. Last year was more about. Dwayne Wade touring stadiums and, and giving his shirt to people <laughs> than anything else. Um, but they've been so fun to watch this year. It's been mad. Eric Spolster, a long-time coach, um, seems to have found a real a real, a real um, leader in, in the group of, of in Jimmy Butler, who they acquired in the offseason, who can really drive the team forward. Obviously, his personality is well-documented and he's not the been the best fit at certain places, hasn't really found a home since Chicago. Um, but he's really embraced Miami this year and he's he's led quite a young group. And again, the word misfit's been used. You've got people like Kelly Olinick smashing the season. Um, you've got Jimmy Butler there getting to the foul line, being a primary ball handler, really, really driving the team. You've got two of the best rookies that have been drafted this year in Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn, who've both been so, so good to watch. They're, they're one of the hottest shooting teams in the NBA. Um, they've got uh, Duncan Robinson smashing it, Dragic off the bench. They've got Bam Adebayo even finding... I was waiting for you to Even finding a little mid-range game now, Bam, like, he is a real, 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 real player. Um, and again, such a young player. Like You, you don't think it's sort of how mature he plays and how dependable he is. The Heat are a lot of fun, man. Um I guess the only issue for them is whether the shooting is sustainable. Um, it, it was against the Nuggets last night again, like smashed it again, but that's, that's the only thing. Um, their offensive rating now after last night is fourth in the NBA. So they, they could really catch fire in the playoffs and surprise some people. Um, but yeah, defensive middling, um, but bags are fun, honestly. Like the, the Heat, if, if anyone's listening and is looking for a, a little dark horse to follow and watch, I'd say go and watch the Heat. Um, bags of fun and, and that kind of concludes where we've been with the teams now that aren't maybe favourites at this point but could really really do stuff in the playoffs I think the Heat the Nuggets Toronto Philadelphia Houston and even the the Mavs the Mavericks like okay they're, you know, they're not the Clippers but they're not the Lakers they're not the Bucks, but no one wants to play these teams in the playoffs. They are all mm. so dangerous in their own way. They'll be a tough. They'll be a tough out. I think with the Sixers, they probably got um, the highest ceiling and the lowest floor of any team, and Mate. you literally don't know who you're gonna <laughs> see on. on I have any no given idea. Night. And I, I think. Like, I mean, last I, night, last night I was like, right, cool. Sixers first game in the bubble. Let's see it. Let's. They've all done this time to work things out. Um, Embiid might be healthy. Probably. Who knows. Um, and I just I watched it expecting to see something and just again like it's the same fit issue and people playing just in no recognisable scheme and to be fair we have got a Sixers (laughs) fan as part of the podcast who's not here today and 
I'm, I'm glad he wasn't here for 60 seconds on Teams because if he had the Sixers, it would have been 60 minutes. And, and yeah, like they are such a strange team to place that you couldn't rule them out still winning the whole thing. And you couldn't I, rule I them out getting I caught can. by... Yeah, for sure. Harold can. Hot take Harold. Hot take Harold can. Harold, I could say that, but then I could also see them having to play Miami in the first round and getting done in five. Like, they're yeah. so strange. Yeah, so funny. Well, on that, that point that you made earlier about um, like the home court advantage and whatnot, um, I think they've got like a really good like I'm home court like I'm record, but um, their away performance this year has been appalling. Yeah. Like, cool. so yeah, cool. Bubble, are, are yeah. they at home or are they away? With every well, game, it's basically away, <laughs> isn't it? Because they're not home. <laughs> But they haven't got the travel of away. When they haven't got the familiarity of home, it's 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 weird. Exactly. Yeah. So their performances are probably going to be middling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cancel it out. Yeah. You know what? It was intriguing. You spoke on the small ball earlier of the Houston Rockets. Yeah, it reminded me immediately. I don't know why my mind went to Pep Guardiola playing. There'll be a lot of football references because that's the best way we can relate to things. Mm. Um, so it reminded me of when Pep played without a striker for the first time. And everyone yeah, was the like, force nine, yeah. What on earth is going on? Like, and then suddenly it became a thing. And who, well, who knows? Who's to say that this, this small ball, I doubt it, because I'm closer to the world to the rim, the easier. As we saw on Bowl Bowl show yesterday, <laughs> you don't get that many rebounds. Um, so, but yeah, it, it's interesting to see how the dynamic plays out. Well, this me. is the thing. I, I, I know um, we are going to, in the podcast, it's been asked for by prospective listeners. Um, that we are going to do a lot on tactics, a lot on terminology, a lot on trying to break the game down as simply as possible in future pods and in YouTube videos and in tweets and everything. But on the small ball point, I think the, the Rockets and the Sixers are the two opposite ends of the NBA yeah. in a way. In that the Sixers, everyone's moving after Golden State's sort of pace and space, move the ball, have Stephen Curry out 30 feet because he can shoot that fast. So who the hell do you defend? The Sixers weirdly have just tried to go the other way they've got three people who are amazing in the paint and only now that Tobias Harris is maybe finding a bit of form can they have any space in whatsoever and the Rockets have just said 6-5 is fine Westbrook going <laughs> to the rim can be our biggest threat Robert Covington will be the best rim, rim protector even though he's been a, a wing for his whole year uh, his whole career um so that's the other thing with the Sixers is like whereas the Rockets are trying to push the envelope and be this modern sort of new new sort of style. The Sixers are just going the complete opposite way. I think it, that would be an amazing hypothetical finals. I don't think it would ever happen, but yeah. I'd, I'd love to see that across seven games to see where the NBA is really going to go. But, Nee, if you could just touch on small ball without going too, too much into it and why that sort of, especially as a Golden State guy, yeah. why that's taken over recently in the NBA. Because like you said, people's image of the NBA is, is so much about dunks, rim, protecting big guys in the paint, seven footers. Mm -hmm. Why is this small ball thing taking off over the last six years like it has? As basically, on the small ball, I mean, it kind of like started maybe with Golden State maybe like five years ago when they won the chip or in their first one in 2015, 14. Um, so basically, we had something called a death lineup where we had, we had Steph, we had Clay. We had Draymond, we had we had um, Iggy, and then we had um, um, the Australian geezer. Oh, Umboga. So Umboga was the centre, and then we had four small players, like they were like six, five and under, who kind of played like guards. And the idea is, is that you space on the floor, so you've got a lot of shooters around the perimeter, and that leaves the paint open for cuts. 
So basically, Curry will come to court with the ball, and Draymond and Clay could either cut or they can come off a screen and then shoot a three. Um, and yeah, so like they played really fast, and it's difficult when you have a lot of larger players to keep up with that. And like, there's something that centers hate doing. They hate guarding the perimeter. Mm. So if he has someone, if he has someone like Rudy Gobert, um, he doesn't like coming out to the perimeter to guard because it's difficult to guard the guard. Of course, he can't mm. keep up with his feet and the movements. Um, and that's what um, that's something that Golden State really looked to exploit. And that's why their former basketball was so was so successful because it was something new. It was fast, and not many teams could adapt to it. Um, but to touch on what the Rockets are doing now, I feel like because it's like it's kind of like their last chance. Basically, this is D'Antoni's last year. Um, the GM Daryl Morey hasn't really been too hot on renewing his contract or really talking talking it up. So I feel like this is like they're kind of putting all their cards into one deck sort of thing. They've gone to the most extreme form of small ball ever, and they're just going to look to blow teams away with three-pointers. Well, I don't know if it's going to work to, to extreme small ball. That's just Mike D'Antoni for you. Yeah, it's, it's nuts, man, yeah. Because <laughs> he, he, he did it with the Phoenix Suns back when Yeah, like, back in 07 Steve, with Steve, Steve Nash. Nash. Yeah, yeah, Steve Nash and um, Rari Stoudemire and, and, and that team over there. So this is how he's always kind of been an offensive genius and, and seen the game a completely different way. The thing about Golden State, though, that people don't have is... is what Steph has, Richard, they call it gravity because, like you said, from 30 feet out, he can score. So yeah. he naturally attracts players towards him. And when he naturally attracts players towards him, that creates space for other players. And it's this thing we talk about when people make players better. Uh, most of these NBA guys, when you put them in an empty gym, and I'm talking about even people like Dwight Howard, and you ask him to, okay, stand in the mid-range and take like 50 mid-range jumpers, he's making 80, 90% of them. Like, these guys are all, in terms of skill level, they're all amazing basketball players. Obviously, then when you um, adjust to the quality of the players you're playing with, that's when it, and the pace of the game, that's when it gets more difficult. So, they had Steph Curry, who's a unicorn player himself, um, who's kind of fathered the league, because since Steph, everybody's moved to this kind of pace and space way of playing. And it's nice to see teams like Philly and the Bucks to an extent, who even in the regular season, they are very much threes and threes so basically it's all threes and layups basically yeah, two yeah, pointers yeah. from the mid-range don't make sense because why are you going to take a more difficult shot when it gives you the same amount of points as having mm-hmm. a layup yeah. but not everyone can play like that and i love the fact that giannis isn't a th- another guy who's out at the per- he's a bit different he does mm-hmm. most of his work in the paint so yeah. it's interesting to see the contrast in styles and you see all the guys that um Steph Surrey is sons coming through the league who just come in shooting shooting mad threes. And another mm. point I wanted to touch on was um, Philly and Miami. And maybe what want to hear what you guys think in terms of Philly getting rid of Jimmy Butler because he had that culture clash over there where he's mm. just um, and he had it also at um, the Timberwolves where he just wants to win and he's serious about winning and he wants all his teammates to play hard. And they lost that when he left that Philly. And you've got Embiid who. One week is not fit and he's putting on weight and he's drinking Shirley Temples. And then you've got Ben, <laughs> then you've got ben Simmons, who's like, he's a One very, very points. good player. Yeah, he's a very, very good player already to me. He's elite defensively, he's an elite playmaker. Uh, obviously, we know about his shooting woes. But they've lost that figurehead and then he's gone to the Heat. You have Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra. They have a clear culture, a clear mantra of winning. Um, LeBron James tried to, you know, come in and be LeBron James and run the organisation and Pat Riley was kind of like, nope, Spolstra's my guy. You either follow his lead or you go. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's probably never experienced that in his whole career. So um, 
What do you guys think about uh, Philly letting Butler go and how that's obviously led to a great season for Miami and the seasons I, I think, Philly's I think if, you, if you were to go watch the playoffs again last year, um, I was quite surprised at how reliant they were on Butler mm. um, in, in tight games. And then to give... They had, a cho- they had a tough choice there last year in that they really had space for one max contract and it was between Tobias Harris or Jimmy Butler. And I think the, there was two reasons they didn't bank on Butler, one of which is the age. I think he's about 30 now, so a max Drew's contract for the well, amount yeah. of time. It's, it's maybe not the wisest investment, but then yeah. for me, the other thing was like, Tobias Harris isn't a max player. He's a good yeah. player. He's not a max, max guy. So... Yeah. But then the main reason was that culture clash. I think it was a very, very public um, yeah, falling out with uh, Brett Brown. And I think Jimmy didn't like his role in the team. And again, it was sixes all over. It was they had good players before deciding how they were going to use them. I think mm-hmm. the strength that teams like the Rockets, the Warriors, um, even the Celtics under the earlier years in Brad Stevens um, and, and what Frank Vogel has done at the Lakers with, with what little he has, uh, this year is in basketball there's a real real um mindset of okay they can play but how do they fit and how do they enable us to play through guy one and guy two and what can they offer that no one else can offer and I think the Sixers are the biggest evidence of just not thinking that way you've got mm. Ben Simmons who's an amazing player in everything he can do but he as we know, we'll see what happens, but refuses slash can't slash need to see a psychologist to see to shoot a three. And then you've got Embiid, who probably wants to shoot the three more than he's suited Should for. be, yeah. I hate that, dominate I hate the that pain. so much. Dominate I hate the pain. It so you've much. got, you've got you, in, in Simmons. You can't dominate the pain because Simmons is there, bruv. Well, this is the <laughs> yeah. thing. Simmons and Embiid. You've got two players who do their first work right next to the rim. Then they decided to get one over the Celtics by signing Al Horford, who he's a solid three-point shooter if he has the room, but he's not who you need to stretch the floor. So again, post player, under the rim, back to back to back to goal, if you will. Yeah, so I think they, the, the Sixers just are like, for, for someone that was so credited with the process, I'm sure there'll be stuff online about that for any new listeners of tanking early on, getting the right guy in and then be building around him. That whole philosophy of really process-driven, smart recruitment is just in the mud. Like, I don't know what. Yeah, they're killing that. it. Yeah, I yeah, think, I think w- Horford was probably the wrong move there. If you replace Horford with a good three-point shooter, that me- means teams have to, yeah means teams have to honor that player, and it's either we give him space and he can kill us, and most times he will, or um, you let them kill you in the post between Embiid and Simmons. They're not in this situation. Horford is just one too many. Two's already too the many bodies. Is, the thing is with Horford, and I can, yeah. I can say this confidently from a Celtic perspective, I am telling you now, a big part of them getting Horford was because he was so good at defending Joel. Yeah, Embiid, weird. Right? weird. And then he's gone there, and now the Philly... Uh, record against us, the Celtics, has swapped around. We used to just have them up mm. to the point where Joel Embiid said it's not a rivalry because they kick our ass every time. Mm. We used to have them up. Now they've got a, 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 a 3-0 record, 3-1 record against us this mm. year. I can't remember exactly what it is. But that's so small. Like They, they paid a guy who's 34 years old. I think it was $27 million a year for four yes, years. 
just, to, just because of this one matchup, like bigger picture boys. The worst that has to be the worst contract in the league. And they're yeah, too focused on Yanis as well, I think, because like, I mean, he yeah. does pretty well against um Yanis Wolford. So yeah. that's why I think yeah, that's, that trade is not going to work. It, it just hasn't worked out so far. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I I think out of big teams, so the the bigger teams that we've been speaking on, it's worrying that. They lack such a, they lack such identity. Like we're talking about the Heat and being the most improved, but fundamental to any in any sport in any team success is an identity of how you play and a formula to show that it's working, right? But we, we even with Mike D'Antoni's extreme plays with the with the um the small ball, we saw that he ha- that's an identity he's gone for. He decided to trade Capella. He said, you know what, I'm going to take a punt. But everyone knows their role. It's yeah, you can read that. ball. It's freeze. It's 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 Westbrook doing Westbrook does driving to the paint, so it's like it's it's strange and and you obviously have the Clippers you have these different teams who know everyone's roles. It seems as though in the sixes everyone just gets in each other's way. It's almost like okay, mm-hmm. the only time it looks smooth is when they dish it to to um to, to Tobias Harris outside the paint and then and then and then he smoothly switches a free. That's the only time it looks like there's some cohesion. Otherwise, it's bumpy. It's it's like it just doesn't. It doesn't it's no it's not coherent like it's not smooth it's yeah it's strange to me that we can be saying this about a potential uh chip contender that we just don't know their structure in in, in its entirety if you know what i mean bizarre. so we're gonna uh, finish up now with our, our last five teams and we'll start off with the indiana pacers okay last pacers uh they are the fifth seed in the east right now uh they've got a 39 and 26 record they have been led by Demantas Sabonis, who's had an all-star year, averaging 18 points, 12 rebounds and five assists. Uh, they've also got Malcolm Brogdon, who they got from the Bucks, who's averaging 16, 4 and 7. Uh, but he's been a bit injury hampered throughout the season, so he hasn't played as much as he could have. Um, they've got Victor Oladipo, who has been injured for a while, but he's just coming back from injury going into the bubble. So that should improve them a little bit. In the scrimmages, they won two and lost one. Uh, Upon my research, one of the things that I was reading was that uh, normally in the NBA, they were in the regular season, they were rated 24 in terms of pace. So the amount of time taken to get your shot off. And during the scrimmages, they were sixth in terms of pace. So that looks to be something that they're trying to improve, um, especially now. So I think Sabonis is injured. I'm not sure for how long, but I can imagine uh, with him going out, you've got Oladipo coming in. They're mm. probably trying to keep that trend going in terms of getting their shots off quicker. Um, I this believe a, a stat for pace in the NBA, <laughs> of course. That's um, the thing as well. With any listener coming over from the football podcast, get your calculator out because the NBA has a number for everything. <laughs> everything. That's one quickly, just a segue. One thing I hate about the NBA is the stats. Like this person was the first one to get 15 points, 10 rebounds, two steals. ESPN oh. and Bleacher Report. Oh, blame them, God. Man. I could, like since 1994. And there's like, uh, <laughs> That, yeah, they manipulate stats so be the most bespoke stat and they'll be like oh, oh yeah the first person to get five rebounds in 14.5 seconds yeah like, it's nasty oh, man it's nasty so annoying <laughs> um, uh, yeah anyway so I think they'll probably end up around fifth or sixth overall um, I can see them I think they'll match up against the Celtics if they finish uh, sixth so uh, that, I think to me, I think that's quite a good that'll be quite a good game to watch but I can see the Celtics beating them Probably yeah, like or something like that. Um, but yeah, they're a good team, but I can't see them doing anything major, to be honest with you. Cool. And to follow on, um, my last team, the Pelicans, 
they've probably been my favourite team to watch this year, but also the most also the most frustrating to watch this year. Um, but it's hard not to be excited by their young core um, of Zion, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo, who are the standouts. Um, prior to the season, I tipped them to finish in the playoffs. Um, but an injury to Zion and a younger new team getting to know each other. The chemistry hasn't been there and they had an awful start. Um, I think they started the season 9-26, and 26, which is just not going to cut it in the West. So that, that from then on, they were always playing catch-up. And it's always going to be a big task to get into the playoffs. But I haven't watched most of the games this year. Um, there's quite a large portion of the games that they lost this year. Um, maybe in and around the fourth quarter, maybe because of the inexperience. They just couldn't close out the games and that's been a theme even within the bubble as you saw against the jazz where they had a double digit lead in the third quarter um their sloppiness and inexperience they just couldn't close out the game and they lost a game um but um i guess there's some good news in that since zion's return they've had a 19 and 13 record um they currently sit 12th in the west um they probably won't make the players this year i think it's begun their reach now especially yesterday after getting blown up by the clippers <laughs> Um, I think the Pelicans have a really exciting team, though. They're really athletic. They're currently fifth in the NBA for fast break points. Um, but I'm, however, I'm, as I said earlier, on their sloppiness, I think they average the second most amount of turnovers in the league. And their free throw shooting is 29th in the league. And these are two elements of your game that just aren't going to cut it in the postseason. And you can't win, you can't win a seven-game series if you can't shoot your free throws. Yeah. And you can't stop turning over the ball. So... These problems have continued to persist and it's something they're going to have to work on. Um, to talk on their best player, a lot of people will have Zion as their best player. Um, he's tipped to be the face of the league once LeBron leaves. But for me personally, it's Brandon Ingram right now. He was their best player. Slim Reaper, would you, say, uh, would you say he's the most improved this season? 100%. Um, he's improved Ooh, in every offensive well. category. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good shout. He's improved Definitely. in every offensive Definitely. category this year. He's really, he's really stepped up. I think he's averaging, what, like 23, 24 points a game? 24, I think, yeah. Yeah, and like four rebounds, six assists, something like that, all the way around. Um, and he, he's a good defender as well. Like, um, he covers the switches, the pick and rolls. He knows when to rotate. Um, he can guard guards because he's quite, um, he has quite nimble feet. And he's, got, he's quite long. He's got a lot of length. So he's a good matchup. He's a good defender as well. Um, so um, as I said earlier, I think, the play, I think the Pelicans will fall off short of the playoffs. But um, they've got... They've got quite an exciting team and a good future. So hopefully they can make some more moves in the postseason and yeah, they'll come back next year. Cool. Okay. So from the Pelicans to the Utah Jazz. Boasting a 64% win record, last year's underwhelming postseason package, the Utah Jazz are already qualified for the playoff and they're looking to better their first round exit in the playoffs last year. Uh, in, in this first seeding game back after the break, Utah overcame a shaky start against the Pelicans uh, to win in, let's say, not the most convincing fashion. Rudy Gobert, who was blamed by his co-star Donovan Mitchell to have given him coronavirus, despite this not being able to be proved, might I add, uh, uh, is up for a supermax extension at the end of this season. It'll be interesting to see what the Utah Jazz do, but the general consensus is that probably won't happen. And it'll be oh, also it'll be interesting to see his relationship uh, with Donovan Mitchell and see how that grows or diminishes following his statements as well. I've recently had to revise my opinion on their playoff chances after watching more of their regular season pre-lockdown games. They leave a lot to be desired on the offensive end without Bogdanovic. And with the more sporadic performances of Donovan Mitchell than that of his rookie year, and Rudy Gobert struggling to emulate his 2018 and 2019 defensive prowess, 
let's just say I wouldn't be surprised if they have another first round exit, but they for sure are not making it past the Clippers or the Lakers in the semis. Mm. Cool. Um, I've got the Portland Trailblazers, 30 and 37 for the year. They're ranked ninth in the Western Conference. Um, one end, they've got the 27th ranked defense in the league, which means they're keeping company with teams like the Hawks, Cavs and Wizards. Uh, they're even <laughs> below Obi's Knicks and Knee's Golden State Warriors. But on the other end, they've got the ninth ranked offense in the league so they're going to get buckets and there are two things that you can be guaranteed from Portland they're going to give you heart and they're going to give you buckets two things that they've lacked this year are defense and wins so obviously <laughs> at, the, at the head of the tree is their emotional and spiritual leader Dame Lillard perennial all-star Dame Lillard uh, he's having a very good season once again do, doing what he does he's backed up by his um, backcourt teammate C Jay McCollum, one of the best scoring bags in the league, I think, in terms of um, all the variety of ways that he's able to score. Uh, they've also got the ghost of Carmelo Anthony, who is here for a, a swan song of sorts, but has actually been pretty good since he's returned. And then they've got a returning Yusuf Nurkic. Um, after getting to the Western Conference Finals last season, albeit some may say a bit luckily over Denver, um, I think people were expecting a lot more from them. They're three and a half games back from the Grizzlies, uh, but they beat them the other night. Um, so they've got six, seven games to try and make the playoffs, but um, they're going to be playing the Lakers regardless. So um, I think they'll go out there. But you know what? I wouldn't rule them out just because of that heart I mentioned. And they've got Dame Lillard, and we know what happens when it's uh, Lillard time. Bring back Mello. That's what I'm saying. Bring him back. <laughs> I want him back. Uh, well, oh. yeah, I mean, Portland Trailblazers uh, got it overtime win against the Grizzlies, who, who I'm finishing up on, Memphis Grizzlies, um, the other night. And, and we'll touch on that in a little bit about why that makes things particularly interesting in the West. Fantastic um, game, by the way. Really good game. Really good game. Again, like if anyone wants to go check highlights or get up to speed with some of the best games, I'd say that is one. Um, Memphis Grizzlies, for me, they're not going to do a whole amount this year, but they've been one of the more interesting teams for me just to see about what they're promising for the future. Um, as a Celtics fan, I'm kind of fuming because for the last two years, we've had picks for the draft from teams that everyone had tipped to finish about bottom five, bottom six. Uh, and they've both been the the most like surprising teams in the West both times. So great for us. Uh, unlucky. But um, Memphis are in the eighth seed of the playoffs as it stands. Um, they're really interesting side in terms of the young talent they've got. They're a very, very young team. Um They've got Jaron Jackson Jr., who is a really interesting player in terms of his size, in terms of his ability to shoot the three. Uh, once he fills out, gets a bit more physically dominant, he could be really, really, really difficult to play up against. Uh, they've got a few good other young talents there. You've got Brandon Clark, who just seems an amazing all-round player, really, really clever in his, in his rookie season in how to play all sorts of basketball. There's a few others. Uh, Dylan Brooks is, is being a good role role player this year as well but the one who really deserves all of the attention the adulation is with Zion's injuries for me the undoubted rookie of the year in John Moran uh, second pick of the draft this year who has just exploded onto the scene in the league he's all dunks shots stops and flying limbs he is he is Love a it, really man. really talented guard doesn't have any fear it seems like and even Stop in the gym man jump out the gym. And even in the Trailblazers game where he didn't shoot well uh, at all, there was still like a, a moment in the second 
second half where they were down about seven and for just three consecutive possessions, he went and got a bucket and, and had them up at the end at the end of about a minute and a half worth of, of clock time. He, he's a real, real live wire, really talented player, one of the best to watch this year. Um, even his highlights package, just for casual listeners, is, is, is worth a watch. Phenomenal. Um, and yeah, the Grizzlies, Grizzlies are looking like a really interesting project moving forward. They, if they do get in the playoffs, they'll be the eighth seed and, and likely um, go out to, to the Lakers. But definitely one to watch for, for a young team promising a lot. Um, that does take us to sort of this whole situation with the bubble and more teams being invited than just the playoff side. Um, for the first time, the NBA are introducing a potential play-in tournament. So it was mentioned... That the Portland Trailblazers, after their win against the um, Grizzlies the other night, are two and a half games off the eighth seed in ninth. San Antonio Spurs, after their win against the Kings, and interestingly playing the Grizzlies next, are three and a half games off the eighth seed. Now, how this is going to work is any team that are within four and a half games off of the eighth seed will be entered into a play-in tournament um, to potentially, almost like a pre-playoffs, a mini-playoffs, to potentially snag the eighth seed off the team currently sitting there. Um, cool. If no team so is within four... How will it work games, then? So, so with the team in eighth also playing the competition? or Yeah, yeah. so if, oh, if, okay. if there's no one within the four, four games of the eighth seed, they automatically qualify. That's no problem. Otherwise, the eighth and the ninth seeds play in a double elimination tournament. The better the record, the more advantage you have. Adam Silver okay. doesn't doesn't cease to impress me. I thought it was impressive the way he did the All Star game. So it made it actually competitive for once. Yeah. But hearing this, and obviously the fact that there's less seeding games um, available this year, and then doing something like that, it's genius. So how they've tried to fix it is they still want to keep it interesting, but they still want to reward the eighth seed. So mm. if you have earned that eighth seed over the season, you only have to win one game in okay. this playing tournament to keep your seed. The ninth okay. seed has to beat the eighth seed twice right. okay. to get that eighth place. So it's the best of three, yeah? Oh, yeah, no, it's the best of... Was it, oh, so it, how many games? So they're oh. playing two games, right? It depends. It dep- they okay. could play... If, if, if the eighth seed wins... Wins the first game, that's it. That's it. Obviously, okay. if the... If the ninth seed wins the first one, they then play oh, double elimination. That's sick. Right. That is sick. Oh, okay. So what that's happens if the Spurs and the Trailblazers are both within four games of the Grizzlies? Good question, right? You tell me, son. <laughs> <laughs> and that is so funny. You know what that reminds me of? You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of, um, remember when, you remember when um, Jeff Stelling asked Chris, Chris Cameron if the player got sent off? Is there been Jeff? Is there? <laughs> so to my, to my, to what, I, what I assume happened, <laughs> what I assume happened is they were expecting a bit more competitive in the East. So they would have included as sort of four across the NBA. Okay. It's not going to happen in the East. So okay. as far as I'm aware, it's just eight v nine. But we will potentially have to edit this pod before it goes out after a little Google. Because no, uh, I think it's, I mean, this is, we, don't, we keep it real, man. We, do, we don't know at this time. And the next pod will, will update you further to the news. I think it's interesting, though. And I think it's also, I think it's, it's an incentive for those teams, isn't it? To like, don't just come and make up the numbers. Like, I think Dane said, like, listen, if there's a chance of me making the playoffs, I'll come to the bubble. 
Mm. But if you lot are just asking me to come so you can round have a round number of teams so everybody can play eight games, but I'm not making the playoffs, then I'm not going to risk my health for it. And I completely agree. I completely agree with him. So it, make, it makes perfect sense. Obviously, it should be I a like one-time it. thing. It should be a one-time thing. But yeah, man, it looks like the Grizzlies and the Trailblazers will probably have to play each other again. I don't see them getting too far ahead of, of, of the Trailblazers, man. Dame, obviously, you know what he's about. Man on a mission. Cool. Cool. So I guess that rounds up our, our first podcast. I'm going to thank you listeners in advance for listening. Then I'm going to thank you guys for coming through. Hot Take Harold, <coughs> Nee, <laughs> Ovi, and obviously Yas as well. Um, yeah, stay tuned. There's there's so much so much things to cover in the NBA. Even as we're doing this pod, I, I, ideas are coming into our mind and I've posted a couple of thoughts in the group chat. So yeah, we'll just, we'll just go from there. So listen, Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join the Discord. Um, probably for the playoffs, probably something around us maybe doing um, live like we used to we do for football. Yeah. <clears throat> we can do live for the playoffs as well. So, Sounds um, good, man, yeah. Yeah, man. Thanks for listening and uh, peace, man. Peace. Peace. Uh, boys. Booming out and stopping there like Lou Will. Six men like Lou Will. Two girls and they get along like on, like on Lou. Sports Social Podcast Network.